Hello everyone and welcome to episode 87 of Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera. On the show this week, Dave's had a look at the new South Park game, the wave of sexual harassment revelations makes it as far as the games industry, Activision are very naughty boys, the old EA are back, and the book club this week takes out the peroxide, dusts off the leather jacket and the matching pistols, it's Devil May Cry, let's start the show. This is episode 87 of Link to the Cast from your friends at linktothecast.eu, available on all your favourite podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict and Stitcher. I'm your party host, Dave Ryan, joined as I am each and every week by the platforming prodigy that is Mark Robinson. Mark, how are you? I want to say I'll be distracted by the United game tonight, but it's an away game in the Champions League and it's Mourinho, mm-hmm. so yeah. should be alright. Yeah, yeah, we'll be fine. Football bants. Yeah, how have you been? Uh, not bad. Um, we survived the hurricane. We had some weather. Hurricane Orphelia. Yeah. Uh, she came. She blew. She, she left. S- certainly did. Uh, we seem to have been one of the mm, only parts of the country that didn't get it real bad. Mm-hmm. Um, 330,000 homes, 338,000 homes uh, without electricity that's by like the end all of, of Ireland. Yeah, it's a lot of Ireland for sure. <clears throat> but that seems to be, as of tonight, we record these on Wednesday nights, down to about 100,000 now. Uh, I know I have relatives down in Cork who are still without power and water. Oh no. Because there are some homes where their water, the, the system to pull water out of the like the, the mains is based off electricity. Uh, so electricity yeah, goes, yeah, water's yeah. fucking gone. Bad times. So uh, yeah, that's 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 pretty bad there, but uh, yeah. we're, we're fine. We uh, had other like than a, a couple of trees I've noticed. Yeah, the, the one by the bus stop uh, near Tesco where you would get the bus to go to Dublin. The, the tree where you would normally stand under to get shelter from the rain, yeah. gone. Really? Snapped in half. Holy shit, that's a big old tree. <laughs> yeah, it's a big old fucking tree, man. Damn, I haven't it been is. down there yet, I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, I wasn't down there until today, because I usually walk the other way downtown. I was oh. going back this morning, I was like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, damn. Um, yeah, but we seem to have gotten away with it for the most part, anyway. Um, that global warming, eh? Yeah, it's mm. pretty fucking wild, man. Yeah. Um, but no, other than that, not really much more to report. It's been no, it's a been pretty great. just very heading, much getting back into the grind, you yeah. know, back in the office. So I'm heading down to the southwest of Ireland tomorrow morning. Yeah, heading out to Clare, where you had been recently. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's just see if we can see your if your if your pee staying on the ground from when you were involved in that minor road collision yeah. has dried up. <laughs> um, you just over there for the the night, just for the night. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, just to kind of. Get away from things, sure. you know. We had a a, a, a kind of coincidence where uh, the girlfriend wasn't in work or college and I had nothing planned. Although I have to house it for my grandparents again this weekend. Oh, They're off thing. to Prague. Oh, good for them. They, they, they lead a more jet-setting life than uh, I ever have, really. Like, where the fuck were they last weekend? Um, oh, they were only down in Cork last weekend. Oh, only down in Cork. Yeah, but like my granny's from there, so it's just like you know, it's like me going on a holiday to Newbridge. <laughs> I mean, it's at least say nice. At least give yourself something to work yeah, with. Yeah. Um, but they were down there, uh, kind of uh, as a 
kind of get away themselves because it's their 48th wedding anniversary last weekend so they went out for dinner with all my my granny's siblings as a kind of surprise for her uh because my granddad's devious like that yeah yeah so Uh, the way i'm going like there's no fucking way i'll be married to anyone for 48 years because i won't be alive long enough at this point as i reach 30 yeah because whoever you marry will have killed you (laughs) no no uh, old, old age will have taken its toll um should we talk about some video games oh go on then playing this week hey check it out i learned the baseline from final fantasy 2 scott you are the salt of the earth well thanks i meant scum of the earth thanks um do you want to go this week mark i go first all right well i mean it's basically a continuation of well i beat cuphead yeah that happened I happened to be in the room for all your most frustrating moments and that, and I was there when you finally beat it. I've never, I've, I've not felt that victorious. There was a lot of fist pumping. There was a lot of fist pumping. Um, I think the last game that is this where you cut a promo on friend of the show Sean McGee for not finishing it. I didn't cut the promo. <laughs> you were fucking twisting the words, my friend. You were twisting the knife. I'm not. Um, I'm a mere court stenographer. Yeah, all right. Fucking turning the English against each other. <laughs> All those from Liverpool, so... No, um... Cuphead is just... It's great. Uh, the last time I felt this kind of jubilant and, and was celebrating uh, defeating a video game probably was the end of Super Meat Boy. I was going to say. Because I was on that last level in Super Meat Boy for quite some time. Uh, the way that uh, King, Mr. King Dice is set up <laughs> is... Um, you have It is an actual boss rush at that point. Yeah. And oh, it's, it's absolutely maddening. There's like, there's a, a semicircle of a board with about 20 odd spaces or so. Yeah. And uh, you can roll between a one or two or a three. And you have to do the parry jump that you do with the pink object, objects in the game. Um, and depending on the space that you land on, you'll either get an extra hit point and then have to take on a boss. Get a, a free pass or just have to take on a boss. Mm. And you make your way towards the end uh, without dying. If you die, you start from the beginning again. As you have a whole bunch of mini-bosses that are not as long or as difficult as other bosses in the game. Because they only have one um, stage to them, if you will. So one like attack pattern to figure out. But you will be facing up to three or four at a time before you take on Mr. King Dice. Provided you don't go bust and end up going back to the stairs. Yeah. Um, and then you have to take on fucking cube-headed bastard himself at the end and i still like by the time i'd finished that i still hadn't figured out how to do that boss without taking a hit like i ended up having to get three extra hit points on top of the the original three just Mm. to get to the end um so he was by far like that took me a couple of days where the devil i did in about four or five sittings yeah um not that the devil is easy let me tell you that's still Mm. fucking but by that point i was so kind of in the zone (laughs) Um. Yeah, it's a great game. So just it's it's such a Mark Robinson game. And I was yeah. saying to you the other day, like when it comes to the end of the year games discussion, where I was judging my kind of sentimentality in that I knew Hitman was the game of the year, but I had yeah. more fun with Doom. Yeah, I know that Cuphead won't be the game of the year, but I know I'll. I, there'll I... be no game, maybe. Maybe other than Mario Odyssey that will provide me the more fun. 
Yeah. Or maybe just I'm a sick, sick man. I was going to say, in some ways, I think Wolfenstein could be... Possibly. ...an enormous amount of fun. Possibly. I have, you know what? I've really not considered Wolfenstein at all. I think Wolfenstein is going to be a real sleeper. Yeah. Like, I, I think... I'm really looking forward to that. That's out the same day as The Mario thing is, though, like, it would depend, because even obviously they're both by the same company... Doom, well, they're both the same publisher. Or both the same publisher. Machine sorry. games that are yeah, doing yeah, yeah. this rather than id. Yep, yeah, no, you're completely right there. Um, but like Doom has a, a a slight more of a surge of adrenaline about it that the original Wolfenstein doesn't have. But I say the, original Wolfenstein, but the you've reboot. seen what I've this, seen yeah. what this looks if, like. If this game pulls off what the trailers set it up to be, this could be an enormous success. This yeah. Game. So uh, and a very timely game in a lot of uh, ways. I know, right? Uh, I've, I've really enjoyed their um the the viral campaign this week of what to do with a Nazi and then yeah. like the freeze frame of you punching and it's like there is one side. I uh, they are. I tell you what, their marketing department are just we they could not have. Been, it's like all their Christmases came at once. The climate this game is yeah. coming out in because there's actually an excellent um so there's a sub series on Waypoint Radio. Waypoint is a an outlet we shout out sometimes on the program. Um, and they do a series sometimes called Waypoint 101 on their their RSS feed, which is like uh, a whole podcast, which is just about one game. And they've started doing a Waypoint 101 on Wolfenstein. So they've done the first six chapters, and then at some point they're going to do the, the, the next six chapters okay. of it. And they were pointing out how, like, you know, when you go back and play that game now, wow, it's a lot more satisfying shooting Nazis in 2017 <laughs> than it was when that game originally came out. Mm. Um but yeah, this sequel is coming out at a, at a very, very uh, appropriate time. Indeed. Uh, so the only other thing, um, I'm still playing through Golf Story. I'm getting towards the end of it now. And the thing I've kind of noticed playing through Golf Story is, for a start, it, it, they don't lie. It is There is very much a story going on. Mm-hmm. It's not a kind of thinly threaded excuse for a plot with, you know, golf interweed into it there is a whole story going on there's characters who have their own backstories and and motivations but it's just this really weird thing where like you're in this world and the key thing that kind of binds everyone to bonds everyone together is golf yeah <laughs> it's just <laughs> the great unifier it, it really is it's the universal language of golf um and so now I've been playing through it for about about a good 12 hours or so that I was not expecting. I was over expecting this to be over in like five or six. Yeah. Um, I've had a murder mystery. <laughs> um, I've had... Can I guess what the murder weapon was? Um, no. <laughs> it was not a golf club. Was it a golf ball? It was not a golf ball. Okay. Uh, there is a flashback that I've just got to that seems to be rather emotional, possibly. Uh, there are crocodiles that will steal your golf balls. Uh, there is this kind of, like, not a mini game of salts, but you're basically doing Pac-Man uh, with, like, stealth mechanics and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... what? Oh, and there's a bit where you need to swing uh, eyeballs into the sockets of skeletons uh, with the hopes of raising a minion of skeletons uh, to go on a rampage this game's got depth this game's got a lot going on that you're not prepared for at the start but i just really enjoy it that like all of the the quests that you do for the most part are all based around golf in some form or fashion yeah usually involved hit this the, the, over the there. golf shtick is strong <laughs> it really is 
So, like, I don't think... I don't think it's going to be, uh, like, a top 10 game of the year for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but for... Because I think it was 20 quid. Like, I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I'm getting so much more of it than I thought I was going to... Um, at some point, I still would be more than happy to see the the virtual uh, virtual console version of mm-hmm. Mario Golf Advance. Um, but yeah, no, I, I've stuck with Golf Story throughout, and um, definitely like because what you do really with golf games is just you just go through all the courses over and over and over again, and you just want to get you know the the best handicap that you can get. But yeah. there is a genuine like, no, I just want to see kind of what happens in the story next, and that's been the thing to keep me going throughout. Not to say that the actual kind of doing the scorecards and getting the best scores you can is like a backstory because there is, uh, like that happens within the game mm-hmm. and there is, um, just like a kind of arcade quick play mode, uh, and that's two players where you can use just one set of Joy Cons for that, which is really good. Uh, yeah. that's we're playing that with with the girlfriend at the weekend, so yeah, girl story, it's it's pretty good, pretty good. Um, I'm still like, I'm, I'm pretty back into the stardew valley hole which is really bad <laughs> this time of year oh boy <clears throat> i have two massive games already sitting on my backlog that came out in the last week and I... there's two more out next week because you keep telling me at some point i'm gonna buy stardew and i'm not gonna do it because it's just gonna get in the way well, you are gonna be playing at least two of the games that i have on my backlog well. two of the massive ones one of which i'll talk about in a minute the other being shadow of war that's true that's true um but you, you might play wolfenstein you might play mario but i, you I will, definitely sorry, you will play mario you might play Wolfenstein. No, I'll, I'll probably play Wolfenstein. Oh, I don't yeah. know whether it will be between now and well, it will be before Christmas, mm. but it's definitely on my list. So I'm way back in. I'm already at the um, um, I'm already at about like I'm past the the thirty hour mark, closing in on the forty hour mark. Already in spring of my second year, and um, <clears throat> I have noticed a couple of different things that are a bit kind of um. There are some that there's one real problem with the menus in that that hasn't been patched as yet anyway, and that's um so you know um for the well for those of you who don't know you're going to I'm going to lose you here for a second so Mark you know the the town hall bundles yes so there's this town hall in Stardew Valley where you fix up rooms by assembling different products there can be ones that you forage ones that you grow ones that you kind of make ones like there's there's fishing bundles for fish you get out of the sea uh different things like that um there's a problem with the menus in those that if you so if you click into a bundle and then come back out the little sub menu that tells you which bundle each of the packages is is fucked Right, okay. And it will display the, the item you had been pointing at in the last menu. So it will tell you that all four of the, the bundles are melons or something like that. So that's a little bug that's going on there. Right. Uh, and then the other problem with those ones is that you have to go exclusively on the picture. There's no way of highlighting the thing you need for the bundle to tell you what it is. So you know the way in the, in the PC version you just hover the cursor over the thing that's in the bundle and it'll tell you oh okay this is a fried egg i need a fried egg for this bundle yeah there's no way of hovering over the product to know what it is in the switch version because the uh the using the right stick to move the cursor is disabled when you go into the bundles so you have to look at the picture and go what the fuck is that (laughs) so there's a thing that i was convinced was either seaweed or algae and it's not at all so i've had to go and look it up online 
uh, to see what it is. So hopefully that get that gets patched. Uh, yeah, I, it's a very it, small thing, but it's an annoying thing for people who are hard going to. I know there's a lot of people who aren't going to be anywhere near sorting out the town hall stuff yet. Yeah, it really sounds like one of those things that isn't an issue you're aware of until you have hmm. a whole bunch of people playing it. So yeah, yeah. Um, the other game I've been playing, um, the the new one for this week is South Park: The Fractured Butthole. Get that it? That is a thing that is around now, and it's kind of it's interesting to watch um, the reception this game has been getting because it's kind of it's been largely quite positive. I will say, um, I'll preface this by saying that I come at this. I don't know what your. I'll ask you in a second, actually. But my um, whole take on South Park is that I was a great fan of South Park the the original maybe five or six years that it was on. Um, I really liked early seasons of it when I was yeah, like a teenager. And I've really, really dropped off it um, in, in recent years. And, and I, I have some like what may be unpopular takes on how they approach things and and some of the ways they have handled I, t- I talked briefly it kind of tips into my feelings on south park with my thoughts on how they handle uh the the racial difficulty slider in this game and things like that i think there are a lot of things where they think they're handling them with care and sensitivity but they're actually handling them with all the grace of a stampeding elephant um and all the nuance of one as well um and i think that they're they pick very strange times to be political and not like they get political about very strange things and sometimes uh, offend people and I, I like i'm fine with the offending people if it's the right thing but like if you're offending um people of different races and transgender people and gay people and things like that then i'm not so cool with it and then at the same time even though they try to be you know current and satirical and political the fact that as soon as donald trump gets elected they decide to give up on the idea of doing political material at a time where political humor is probably needed more than any time since at least the bush administration but that's again those are my kind of my hot takes on the tv show the original game i really liked yep I thought it was a really good because it was self-contained. There was stuff that was kind of in the topical kind of stuff in the world references and references to the show. And I wasn't, I didn't feel lost at the stuff I hadn't seen in the show. No, the I thing felt with, along for the ride, but the, the, the fact that it was, the core of it was a, a satire of the RPG genre. That's what I was going to say, is, yeah. Was what I really liked about it. And it <clears throat> was one of the few games that has turn-based combat and managed to actually hold my attention yeah well it was turn-based with a little bit of kind of action orientated Mm. it was it kind of reminded me of the uh super mario uh rpg on super nintendo where there's like a little bit of like time-based mechanics and and it's it's funny enough because like this game uh more than last game is very like uh the old uh paper mario um, oh yeah, combat. Yeah. Sure. So there's like yeah, a, which is in this one instead of being of the, the, the turn based, instead of being strictly turn based, it's like a grid based attack system in this where you move around and then make your attacks and oh. things like that. Um, Isn't that fucking like Final Fantasy ten or eight? Was that? Um, was eight I don't think sphere? it's ten. Again, I'm it might not, be. Eight. I'm not your Final Fantasy guy. No. Let's let's all be honest here. Um, so this game, Fractured but Whole, instead of being a, a piss take of the RPG genre is a piss take on the the kind of the cult of the popularity of comic books and superheroes. Yeah. And I've played the opening couple of hours. I've gotten through there's a cool 
like the, the the opening part is kind of cool because it bridges the gap between why all of a sudden is it not a fantasy rpg anymore so it's basically a bit where like it opens on a cartman superhero character from the show the coon uh running around south park doing a like a a, a superhero style monologue and basically there's still a battle going on from the original game with all the fantasy guys dressed in their fantasy gear including you because you're the king yeah. from, from um stick of truth and like basically just cartman stampedes into all this and he's just like no no fuck that we're not playing fantasy anymore we're doing superheroes now okay <laughs> it's just like this shit isn't important anymore there's a cat that's gone missing we need to be superheroes um so you you go off from there and it definitely feels a little bit different it's still wonderfully animated like it feels like you are moving through an episode of south park which is great yeah i think that was one of the key things that really made uh stick of truth like work is that it just felt like an episode of south park in terms of it visually you know yeah it definitely uh, it definitely as well Mm -hmm. you notice that it's not obsidian anymore that are they, they were the ones that took the actual the lion's share of the work on this game after thq had ditched the property when it caved in yeah just that that first Um, game was a mess and now it's they've got their own internal south park studios um and they're they they have a kind of like within ubisoft this studio that is specifically designing these games now so it feels a bit different and the menus are completely different and um I like so far the twist they've done on the combat. Now I kind of ratcheted down the combat, not to the very easiest, but I don't want a huge challenge. That wasn't like it was more the exploring and the and the story of the game rather than the actual difficulty of the combat. Just trying to get through the game to see if they finally made a good South Park game. Yeah, well, like the the last one was good. It was. It was was very great. Um. Now it it has split critics and, and like. It's kind of a thing with a lot of humor where there are people who really do like this game and people who really don't like this game. Eurogamer were a bit meh on it. Uh, Patrick Klepek of Waypoint was scathing in his review of it. Like, he went in on this game like I have rarely heard him go in on a game. But I think part of that comes from, like, the kind of... The, um... He, 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 like me, was an early fan of South Park when he was a teenager, but he is even more disgusted than I have been at some of the stuff they've done in the past, and I think that has very much coloured his uh, his impression of South Park in some ways. Is it kind of like the whole, like, them taking the centrist, centrist route? And... Yeah, like, there's no... I haven't encountered some of that so far, but I think, like, he he's coming into the game with the baggage of that, and that's not helping. Like, when they do kind of... Then when they do the childish infantile stuff that I don't necessarily laugh at, like there are fart jokes and stuff, there's a lot of fart and poop based jokes in it, and I don't necessarily laugh at them, but I'm not annoyed by them, you know what I mean? I'm kind of just like, well, they're there. It's it's, it's a South Park, it's a South Park branded. But I I think with Patrick Klepek and others, and I don't want to speak on his behalf, but my, my impression from the way they're talking is that kind of because they're just like over South Park as a thing, they're less forgiving of stuff they don't laugh at, you know what I mean? Whereas at me, I'm just like, well, with any 
kind of humorous game or, or, or movie or TV. I'm not going to laugh at every single joke, but once there's a decent hit rate with things I do laugh at, and like I said, I really appreciate it that, like, just Cartman stampeding interest is going to, fuck this, no, we're not doing this anymore, we're doing superheroes now. Yeah. Uh, and some of the stuff already they're doing with uh, the kind of superhero parodies, like, obviously me being well up on my comic books and my superhero movies i i know the stuff they're referencing and <clears throat> there's an early trailer where they show the phase one phase two and phase three of their superhero movie universe that they're talking about in the trailer and you can actually go and look at that whole board uh in a very early scene in this game and i just spent a good like two or three minutes looking at it and cackling at a bunch of different things so yeah it's 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 pretty fun if you like the first one you're probably gonna, it's more of that it's not a substantial with the exception of changing it to like a grid based combat system it's not massively different um from the other one if you were super rigidly into the way they did combat in this maybe this is a bit too like different for you but i i like it i like it um it it gets a like thumbs in the middle leaning up sort of like I, i'd give it a, maybe an eight out of ten for me I think That's still pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just think like it's not gonna. Whereas Stick of Truth, I think when it came out, for a lot of people, it was like, well, this could be a game of the year contender for me. This year has been so strong that it's nowhere close to my top five. It may not even be in my top ten. But that's more a reflection on how good the year is rather than the game. It's been a pretty good year for games. So let's move on, and let's go to the news. News on the mark. Mark, there's one news story here that was <clears throat> just breaking today uh, before we sat down to record this. And um, I, I got you to not look at this until we were going to uh, go live. And that was to do with Activision. All right, lay on me. <clears throat> I'm ready. Now, Activision are a publisher we all know uh, as being kind of one of the big boys. I think they are the biggest boy. They're pretty much between Destiny and Call of Duty and they're Skylanders as well, aren't they? Well, the Skylanders uh, is a bit in decline. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're Skylanders. Toys market is games with toys. Yeah, no, it would be Activision. I think they're the biggest boys in town. Mm. Um, they filed a patent, okay. and the thing uh, is, when you it's always a good start. When you file a patent with the U.S. Patent Office, um, those patent applications are matter of public record. Yep. So that's how you'll see often a lot of times that um, we hear about new consoles and new ideas in the tech industry. It's because there are people who, as part of their job as a tech reporter, keep an eye on patent filings mm -hmm. by different companies. Call of Duty, this is from Eurogamer, Call of Duty publisher Activision has patented a method of matchmaking in online games designed to increase a player's spend on okay, microtransactions. Yeah. So I, I have heard about this, yeah. So they have patented, there's a big flowchart um, that's going around online and it's basically this idea of trying to patent a system whereby when you're sitting around in your matchmaking lobby waiting to get an online game on Call of Duty or, or what have you, you will be kind of pushed into making some easy, quick micro microtransactions while you're waiting for that. Uh, the patent was first spotted by Glixel in a report which could initially suggest the system could already be in use. Activision has now responded already to reassure that the use. implemented... Ah. It has not implemented the method in any game. Uh, the system would deliberately pair you... This is, this is the insidious part of this. As well as making it convenient to do microtransactions while you're waiting around to be in an online game... 
it will deliberately pair you with someone who has a microtransaction item you do not have in order to show you how much of a like competitive advantage they have and hope then that you would spend the money on your on it yourself so they'll go hey look this guy has you know say destiny like one of the big things in that is like exotic weapons yeah it's like hey look this guy has this super exotic weapon you can only get from this microtransaction maybe if you hit square right now we could take you to the page where you can buy that <laughs> otherwise this guy is going to mince you in the match that we've just made i mean look here's here's the thing right people are and rightly so shocked and appalled by this but this is i wouldn't say shocked personally uh, right, appalled by this. <laughs> yeah appalled for sure but this is nothing that fucking online mmos have been doing for years you know yeah now the only difference here obviously is that these are games that um will be played by younger people uh-huh. uh which i mean at that point well first of all if you have allowed your child to play a game that is you know or save plus, credit card information on their sub account as far as I'm concerned, that's your fucking problem. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. Uh, now that doesn't make this any less fucking scandalous. Uh, and Activision... I also think there's there's something to be said for the the kind of the vulnerable advertising to them at the moment, where like the dander and the adrenaline is up, getting into the yeah, online it, game, oh, where you'd be more than likely. It just is to... such. A, it's so fucking predatory. S- oh, totally. Like the whole fucking loot box system at large, as far as I'm concerned, is is mm-hmm. exactly that word predatory. How are we getting to loot boxes again? Well, I mean, because I loot guess bo- loot box corner is going to be a thing. Here's the thing, because we can might as well fucking tie this in with the the EA news as well about uh, visceral. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I, I mean, there's a really good uh, thread I saw on Twitter today, and it all comes back to like the way that the gaming gaming development is is a fucking mess and. You know, at some point that bubble is going to burst. But here's the the problem: is you're seeing developers and publishers, mainly publishers, the big publishers, saying, "Oh, well, you know, like it's really expensive to make games, and it is expensive to make games." Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, you know, a big budget AAA game is very expensive to make, and obviously you can see why a publisher would look at, say, a Destiny and go, well, why wouldn't we want to make a game like Destiny a games-as-a-service, which Mm -hmm. is the new thing in town? Um, Because, hey, we can keep people playing for longer. You look at uh, players on Battlegrounds, your Rocket Leagues, your Overwatches, your Destinies. Yeah, obviously, keep people playing the game for as long as you can. Keep adding content along the way. Keep them buying. It, you know... Uh, go back 10 20 years with world of warcraft whatever your mmo of choice it's not a new thing it's just that it's now at a much larger audience and a much younger audience mm-hmm. problem with what i have with all of this is that publishers will say well you know we need to you know try and find a way to um keep the costs and 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 you know make the money back but then you look at the you look at the stock prices and it's like well no fuck off you're you you have no issues here. i also think you'll find a lot of people who go we'll take the hit of an extra 10 euro when we're paying for it over the counter if you get rid of all this shit yeah and just give us the shit from the start yes you know um like don't stick to your oh no we have to keep the rrp at 60 dollars yeah it's like so I, someone on twitter was saying yesterday it's like who's gonna be the first big game that isn't a part of this like you know horrible loot box microtransaction system who's just gonna go no do you know what the game is 75 dollars this is how much they cost now well 
if you've, you want if you want a huge game where we're not going to try and do that shit to you, seventy five dollars is the cost. Well, of doing you, business. you've seen like some publishers find ways of trying to do this. Like you look at uh, the new NBA game where there's three different versions of it, but the problem is, is the hundred and fifty quid version of it. Apart from the fact that a it's one hundred and fifty quid, mm-hmm. is b that it's like okay, here is the sixty quid version of the game, but X, Y, and Z is missing. You need to get the eighty yeah. quid version to get like everything in the game. Because yeah. for me, at that point, I'm just like, well, I'm not going to buy your game then because. Yeah you've just not given me everything at one price mm. you know and we got the idea that is it that the the ending of or the there's a, a an ending mission from star wars battlefront 2 is locked off to people who have the standard edition uh something like that yeah, yeah. which again straight away i'm like well i'm not gonna buy your game then yeah um and the only thing and, the, and we already reported <clears throat> on the show a couple of weeks ago about how it's pretty much out in the open now that microtransactions and loot boxes are going to disproportionately, competitively imbalance that game. Yeah. Um, and we have always have said that it comes down to people have a choice whether they to, to, to vote with their wallet to buy a game or not. Um, we've seen things like online passes come and go. Um, obviously, things like pre-orders and loot boxes and whatever else, they're here to stay because they are making money. Uh, I can't remember what the report I saw, but... Um, I think I think it was Blizzard made an obscene amount of money off of loot boxes with Overwatch last year, mm-hmm. and that's just that's going to continue. And yeah. here's the thing: if something is working, other publishers are going to jump on Again, board. Like I think the, the the problem is like with loot boxes, like a lot of things, <clears throat> it can be done in a way where it's n- it's not carving up a game and it's not unbalancing the game. I think Overwatch is like it it doesn't allay my concerns about uh how it appeals to kind of uh people with a completionist streak vulnerable people who would be likely to spend just to make sure they have all the gear <clears throat> but what overwatch's loot box system does do it is it makes sure that nobody has that competitive advantage because it is just cosmetic stuff yeah so i think that closer to the way that if you want to do loot boxes in your game to earn a bit of post-release money closer to that model than say the star wars battlefront 2 model well one there's that and two there's no that is the game overwatch is just that is overwatch you know yeah it's not there's There's no modes in overwatch that are hidden there's no system that has been like shoehorned or implemented in say there's no single player mode if you get the deluxe edition yeah say shadow of war with like the loot box of implement up shoehorned into that yeah that that's kind of one of my bigger issues and worrying trends is games which i mean we'll move on to ea and, and visceral games now but like Dead Space 3, the economy in that game and the way that you crafted weapons was completely overhauled. I don't know for certain, but I would say with some confidence that some fucking bigwig at EA was like, I know what we should do to try and incentivize and make more money off of this because we're clearly not going to uh, reach the four or five million cells we need to break even with this in their minds. Mm-hmm. Um, let's add microtransactions. Uh, let's shoehorn in co-op for a game for which for a game that is kind of like based off of or heavily inspired by the original Alien, which is a game that is focused on claustrophobia and isolation. Mm-hmm. Which they fucking nailed in the original Dead Space and Dead, Dead Space, Space 2, 2 and then fucking went just God knows where with in Dead Space 3. If you'll allow me to segue. Sure, go on. Point. Speaking of Dead Space, you alluded to it earlier on in the program, Mark. EA has shut down Visceral Games, which is a thing that... Uh, 
a man we're a great fan of, Jim Sterling, had predicted over two years ago that this was exactly what was going to happen once EA got their teeth into Visceral. Um, this studio, known for single-player narrative, the Dead Space games, who had acquired Amy Hennig from Naughty Dog, the studio about whom our next story is about, um, and she was in the middle of developing this single-player large Star Wars game. Um, it's been shut down and they're going to pivot that Star Wars game into what can only be described as Star Wars Destiny. Is that going to be the word of 2017? Pivot. pivot. Yeah. Pivot. Yeah. yeah. Um, this has been met with a lot of negativity. Shocking. Well, here's the thing. It's not the first time EA have closed a studio that there really wasn't any need to. Like, you go through the friggin' years of studios that EA have either bought out or started or whatever. Yeah. Um, the one off the top of my head I always go to is Bullfrog, but, you know, there are a number of examples. And again, Jim Sterling uh, p- provides a long list. Um, you know, as I said there, uh, Death- a lot of people like Dead Space from the last generation, this new IP, uh, really cool concepts, really cool tone about it. You could see that EA had their fingerprints all over that third one. Um uh mark brown has a really good uh discussion a video um about like the way that that game the the series progresses and so after that and the fact that that game had to sell what was it four or five million copies to break even which is five i think there is an inherent issue arbitrary one of those arbitrary things um square enix and capcom are known for doing that as well Well, tomb raider had this as well tomb raider and hitman as well had these ridiculous uh pie in the sky sales target that they pulled out of their own arses yeah um so after that they went to work on was it uh battlefront hardlines Uh, battlefield Battlefield hardline which was they were you you were square peg round hole there you were getting a studio who is not like the staff there were not set to make an online multiplayer shooter and that's what they had them do yeah and battlefield hardline i think will go down as a missed opportunity because it was a decent idea to try and spin out that battlefield formula but it just didn't land um and yeah then they went on to this single player star wars game that we never really saw apart from like a couple of seconds of footage of someone walking out of a door a couple of e3s ago yeah we never really see what it was, and that now that's going to go on to the the dirt heap with that famous old cancelled um, uh, Boba Fett game. Do you remember mm-hmm. there was a Star Wars was it thirteen 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 something like that? Yeah, that was the legendary cancelled Star Wars game that was. I don't think it was ever confirmed that it was going to be a Boba Fett game, but that was the the popular rumor in the industry. Um, and like the thing that that is troubling to me with the the kind of games i like and the thing that's been troubling to a lot of people is where are the big triple a budget single player games going to come from now because it seems like everyone's going to try and plumb that that destiny well of multiplayer online games with a bunch of fucking microtransactions to try and wring as much money out of people well, as possible yeah you've got anthem coming out next year i which, think again which is another one of those but here's the thing it's lo- now bear in mind it looks cool no here's the thing if they want to make just they want to make a game like that yeah. that is fine yeah. you make a game like that and i will stay as far the fuck away from it as possible mm-hmm. you had the division last year great go and make your game like that i have yeah. no issues with that yeah but when it's- I, I like the division 
but when it's coming at the expense of other games these yeah, when everything you're getting to the like every generation has its trope where everybody starts trying to make the same game so we had the everybody tries to make a zombie game was the last one the one before that was everybody tries to make the the super gritty game everyone tries to make a cult game yeah everybody tries to make a cult remember game. army of two i uh, do i well <laughs> or kane and lynch uh yeah um and this seems to be the next one. And then, like, three or four years from now, when people are losing their arses financially on games like this, they're going to go, what happened? Well, I mean... Like, someone was trying to think of, you know, who who are the people making this, the, like I said, the, the AAA single-player narrative games? And someone said, Uncharted is a, is a decent example of that. And then someone went, well, Uncharted doesn't so much exist to make money like the rest of these multiplayer games that people are pivoting into now. Uncharted exists to sell PS4s. Yeah. <laughs> and I, was, I think someone said that to Patrick Klepek. And he was like, that's a fair fucking point. Like, yeah. that game, it's never about the profit. It's about the fact that you put Uncharted on a box and it's a system seller. Yeah. And and for me, right, here here is my thing. And this is why I never really got into MMOs or whatever else. Is I like games that have the temerity to, at some point, end. You know? Yeah. Um, it's why I've always liked Legend of Zelda. Yeah. And it's, you know... I'm, I'm fine. Now, put that distinct from, I like a post-game challenge, like as if to go, hey, you're done with the campaign, but there's some other stuff to do if you'd like. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, like you finish the narrative in like a GTA game, but they're like, hey, there's those hidden packages, insane stunt jumps, things like that, if you want to go back yep. and do that. Yep, yep. Or the Lego games I mean, have the kind of go a, back and do the collectibles. That's kind of the standard trope of an open world type of game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Breath of the Wild is, is also a perfect yeah, example. Yeah, yeah, Collect all them Korok seeds, man. Uh, all no, 700. No, you're fine, thanks. 900. 900, 900. sorry. Um, yeah, uh, and again, like, look, you want to have your Destiny type game, sure. Go for it. If you're that stupid, fucking, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is a pressing concern for a lot of people is that this is now coming at the expense of say you know this Star Wars game that people were looking forward to which has now been canned um, because uh, I think it said in the the EA, EA press conference they were looking they were pivoting towards a games as a service type model or whatever mm. um, I don't know I just it's sad I don't know uh Hey, look, publishers, they look at the bottom line, sure. EA aren't entirely evil. I, I, they do I, have their uh, originals program. We had Unravel last year. We've got um, a man... Is it a man out? Is that what it's called? The cop get-out-of-prison game. Oh, I know the one you're talking about. I think it's called a man out. I might be wrong with that. I um, don't think it's quite... Uh, they still have Bioware, I think. <laughs> a way out. A way out, sorry, yeah. Um... Yeah, they they still have Bioware in yeah, some form or fashion. Are doing RPGs, like yeah. That's I think the the bad the badly kept secret is that as soon as they got stung on Mass Effect, it was like oh back to Dragon Age it is. Yeah. So uh, I just... uh, I think to me the way I'm looking at it is I think it's you're looking at the first party system now. You're not looking like the the two Ks, the Activisions, the EAs aren't going to be doing the big single-player games it's going to be the first party systems that need to sell consoles based off characters yeah so you've got with nintendo we've got mario out next week nintendo there's never going to be a time where nintendo aren't making a mario game a zelda game a kirby Mm -hmm. game a yoshi game a fucking metroid game you know the list goes on xbox fuck knows (laughs) 
<laughs> Sony, uh, we know for a fact that like in, we've got the the single player Spider Man game on the way next year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've got um, Last of Us Part Two. Yeah, you I know. Mean, they, so, they, you... so because you want to put a, a face on the box and and sell a system, it's the, the, it's kind of a, a hangover from the the mascot character idea. Yeah, I they're mean, going to be the ones. You've still got like the, the likes of Santa Monica and, and Naughty Dog that are yeah. providing those types of games. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, stuff like Uncharted, and I mean, we'll see what happens with God of War. But they have like, oh yeah, God of War as well. They have that leverage behind them. They have that weight behind them, and obviously Rockstar as well. But I mean, <laughs> Rock, Rockstar are just Rockstar. They, are, they can do whatever the shit they want. Like, yeah, uh, I I will be really curious to see how GTA Online fares when uh, Red Dead comes out, and see if there's any dent in yeah, like the money they're making off of that. Um, that and, again, and again, and again. Because there's a perfect example. Yeah, GTA Five was this uh, linear experience, blah, 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 blah. And your GTA Online, which was this kind of separate thing on its side, was not in any way shoehorned into the uh, normal experience. Yep. Has taken off of a life, a life of its own, and that's great. And it's been able to kind of like, like uh, foster to the extent where do people its own forget thing. that that the, the narrative, the story of that game is great. Yeah, I fucking love that game. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just a big bunch of bullshit. Mm-hmm. Moving on, speaking of a big bunch of bullshit, um, a former employee of Naughty Dog has uh, lifted the lid on some sexual harassment allegations this week. Um, David Ballard, who is a guy who keen viewers of the industry, shall we say, will have heard that name before. He's made appearances on IGN, I think he's been on Podcast Beyond and Up at Noon. Uh, I think he's appeared on some, uh, like giant bomb post e3 they're like panel show things in years past uh he was like <clears throat> he was a an, an art an environment artist at naughty dog and he left a couple of years ago um and he kind of like at the time was saying that oh you know moving on to different things and he hasn't really popped up anywhere since he's actually as it turns out from this story he's been unemployed in the games industry ever since he hasn't been able to get a job and it turns out maybe related to this um so, in the wake of the, the Harvey Weinstein scandal with all the, the sexual harassment and assault uh, allegations against him coming to light and people sharing their stories online, David Ballard felt the, the kind of the courage to come over with his own story. So, I'll read here from... Um, I'll read here about the, the allegation and then the response from Naughty Dog and Sony here. So Naughty Dog, the Sony-owned studio behind Uncharted and The Last of Us, has responded to claims of sexual harassment from a former employee. So we'll go to in um, on there a second. In a series of tweets, uh, David Ballard uh, kind of laid out what had happened here. Um he said he was sexually harassed at Naughty Dog by a lead whom he did not name. My work environment became extremely toxic afterward, Ballard said, adding that the alleged harassment took place in late 2015. In February 2016, Ballard said he had a mental breakdown while at work and informed uh, uh, HR about the alleged harassment and they fired him. Ah, well, that's, that's not good. <laughs> that, yeah. is, that is really not fucking good. Yeah, oh, so boy. he kind of, he got PlayStation's human resources involved, told them about it, and then all of a sudden he was fired. They cited the company was moving in a different direction and my job was no longer needed. 
Ballard added, saying that this is the 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 kind of the damning part, the particularly damning part of this, that in addition he was offered twenty thousand dollars from Human Resources if he signed a document agreeing to the layoff and that he would not speak about the terms <sighs> to anyone. Ballard said he declined to sign this. He has been out of a job for seventeen months. He said he has had interviews for new positions and when a prospective employer asks why he left Naughty Dog, he allegedly tells them he was burnt out by the crunch because he is too ashamed to speak out of claims of sexual harassment. Ballard went on to say that now he's speaking because the strength of what he's seen in others coming forward about their experiences in the TV and film industry, potentially a reference to the current situation regarding disgraced movie mogul Harvey Weinstein. Potentially. Yeah. This is the hardest thing I've ever done. I will not let anyone kill my drive or love for the video game industry. My passions are life, Ballard said. Naughty Dog statement. This is oh, Naughty Dog and Sony. Like for the, the the platform holder that is just running away with it this generation. There are so many PR moves they are making this year that are just oh. yeah. Naughty Dog statement. Go on to say, Mark, are you sitting comfortably for this? Uh, no, not really. We have not found any evidence of having received allegations from Mr. Ballard that he was harassed in any way at Naughty Dog or Sony Interactive Entertainment. It goes on. Harassment and inappropriate conduct have no place at Naughty Dog and Sony Interactive Entertainment. We have taken and always will take reports of sexual harassment and other workplace grievances very seriously. We value every single person who works at Sony uh, or Naughty Dog and Sony Interactive Entertainment. It is of utmost importance to us that we maintain a safe, productive workplace environment that allows us to channel our shared passion for making games. I mean, if... My thing about this is, why the fuck would he lie? <laughs> yeah, I just think, like, it, well... If he was lying here, he risks himself being blackballed by the industry leader. You've got... You know what I mean? I, I'm going to try and look at this in devil's advocate, advocate mode, where he's either gone for, he's gone for the Hail Mary, because he can't get any work, and he's going to try and find a way to say, hey, this is why. I mean... I, this I, is this is you're trying to get into the why would he lie? You're not saying that he is. No, no, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm not saying he is. God no, yeah. I would never like presume that yeah, someone yeah. because that's, that's no, but just like because that's the whole. I reason know why, that's what you're saying. Yeah, but the way you yeah, said that there is because a bit kind that's of the whole fucking that. reason why people like don't speak out in the first place is because they will mm-hmm. just have people presume that they're lying. Um, and then from the other side of it, why Sony would give a response like that, just a kind of standard corporate response, is they're probably thinking, well, he has no proof, therefore we can say this, and that's going to be it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like on... to go on the side of the person who is saying that they've been mm-hmm. harassed. You always want to go on their side. Uh, um, I think Austin yeah. Walker or somebody, somebody, I, I assume, I think I, I, I think it was Waypoint Radio, I was listening to them talking about this on, where they were just like, create a paper trail. Yeah. When the when this is happening, keep a journal. When you're contacting HR, write emails, print the emails, keep copies of the emails. Insist on getting a reply email saying yes, we have received your email. Just to get your own kind of like uh, to kind of like just cover all your bases in case someone turns around. You shouldn't have to do this. No, you shouldn't have to, but. A little bit of cynicism in this case could go a long way to, like, if David Dollard was then able to go, oh, really, here's the emails. Yeah. The problem with that is obviously, you know, dependent on your emotional state at the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, it's like when you've been in a it's car easy accident. easy to say. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. It's like when you've been in a car accident and then, like, they go away and you think, why did I not take pictures of the cars yeah, yeah, and everything yeah. else? 
Uh, and it's usually like, you know, a lot of things in life is once you've had the mistake once, you learn from it. But, you know, mm-hmm. you never want to be, <laughs> you don't want to be harassed at all, let alone more than once. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, the only positive you can hope for is that people kind of take this and everything that's happened with, with Weinstein and everything and, and try it and if for whatever reason on the like unfortunate circumstances would occur where that sort of thing happens that they can try it and get themselves in a position where they have enough to kind of back themselves up with where it's like look it's all here you know i'm not lying um they can't come out and say we have no uh, we've not received anything to do with this and you can go well here here it all is yeah. uh yeah just this situation sucks man uh it's been a really fucking bad week for uh, just all of these the stories that are coming out, whether it's from the video game industry or the film industry. Yeah, um, it's to the point now where, like, when I go to to Ennis now tomorrow, I think for my the sake of my own mental health, I think I'm I'm turning off my phone until I'm back home. I have been getting into a regular habit of the weekend of just not going anywhere it's near. What Dan Riker does, Dan Riker, uh, I I think he's cracked on it now, but. He used, he did a thing where he found himself on Twitter so much that like, unless it was office hours, he was not on anymore. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think it's getting to a time where this isn't to say like switch off from the world around you. No. There's a lot of things going on in the world around you. It's never been more important to stay engaged. But I think as well, there's a, there's a time that that comes where like it's just there's so much all the time that for everyone's kind of own personal mental health it's worth unplugging it's why i we have a stance on this podcast that i instituted that a certain tangerine micro-limbed cretin never gets mentioned by name on this show yeah is because you want to tune in for two hours and listen to us chat about the video games for whatever reason has possessed you to do so that's the last thing you want is to be reminded of that guy who is just everywhere you know, yeah, and yeah, I think I'm probably gonna like turn off my phone or at the very least like deactivate my Twitter notifications and stuff like that for the the two days that I'm gone just to kind of get a breather. Um, Sound yeah. advice. Yeah. Sound idea. Uh, moving on, there's a new Warhammer game coming out, which wouldn't really interest either of us, generally speaking, Mark. But uh, this is funny because I find with a lot of the kind of like with microtransactions, with online passes beforehand, with always online connections and things like that, you'll get a movement within games that becomes so unpopular that a selling point of some games will be that they don't have it. Yeah. So Warhammer... Uh, proper state of affairs. Warhammer Vermintide 2 uh, has announced this week that we will not be selling loot boxes. <laughs> Uh, Swedish developer Fatshark, which is a great name for a studio, has revealed that the, f- the first gameplay footage for a sequel, Warhammer Vermintide 2, confirming Chaos as the new faction, through Sca- though Skaven will return as well. But perhaps more pertinently, Fatshark declared Vermintide 2 will not, capital letters, have loot boxes. Loot comes from gameplay, not your wallet, which is an excellent philosophy to have. Um... All five heroes from Vermintide 1 will return, but this time you'll be able to specialise, blah, blah, blah. It just basically goes on that you will get your loot in this game from working hard and playing the game. Uh, you will not get it from trying to cut corners with your credit card. Is this our first mention of Warhammer on this uh, podcast? I doubt it, because Brian Brian's been on the show sure. for months. <laughs> I didn't want to say. Um, cool. Yeah. Okay. But that's. I, I just find that funny because it, it has all the hallmarks. If you remember the the Sony the unveiling of the PS4, where they went, 
this game does not require you to have an yeah. online connect. This this console does not require you to have an online connection. And that video, which I think is one of the great bits of viral marketing, which is like, this is how you share games on PS4. And like, Adam Boys just handed Shu Yoshida a copy of the game and went, that's it. <laughs> yeah. That was when their PR was in a complete fucking That was when they bonfire. were just like, just came in, slapped their dick on the table. Yeah. I was like, what up? <laughs> uh, our final news story, uh, two news stories of this week are games we're quite fond of. Uh, Mark Wolfenstein 2, I'm very much excited for coming out uh, next Friday. And the launch trailer came out this week for it, and in it, himself is in it. Mm-hmm. And by himself, I'm referring to modern history's final boss himself, Adolf yeah. Hitler. Um, now, obviously, Mecha Hitler was a renowned part of the the older Wolfenstein games. Should I point out? Sorry, I had a player by the, uh, by the way today whose character name was Hitler was a myth, so he got forty eight L ban. <laughs> Fucking clown. Um, he has been referenced before in the the he was referenced in the new order and the old blood and the the rumor is that he's um he's aging and sick but you don't Excellent. actually see him in the fur in the those two in uh new order or the the expansion old blood so if you watch this launch trailer which i haven't watched yet um, and I'm kind of on the fence about whether I will because I've already my money is paid for this game I'm just waiting for it to download I might just leave it as a nice surprise for myself I've already seen enough to know that I want to play this game real fucking bad yeah I you know I'm pretty much at the point now where I don't need to see any more I, yeah. I do want to play this game um, if it weren't for the fact it was coming out the same day as a certain plumber with a sentient hat yeah. Um, it would have been a game that I'd have purchased that day. But just looking at a, at a brief gif, there's like a, an image of a, a frail elderly Hitler kind of hobbling into a room at the end of this trailer. Fantastic. So we, we, we'll get to see what this this franchise does with kind of to poke fun at Hitler and see who that annoys. Um, final news story this week. Okay. Cuphead. That's a game. It's a game you've been talking about. It's a game I like a lot. Get Cuphead has already passed one million copies sold, yes. which is an incredible success. Um, you got it's got to feel good for that studio who toiled away at what was it the guts of five years on that game. Uh, seven. Like original conception Fuck. was seven years ago. Yeah. So I saw a tweet about uh, there was a couple of games that have been released this year, like indie games that have reached one million. Uh, Player Unknown's Battleground, uh, Cuphead. I can't for the fucking life of me remember the other two that were mentioned. Um, What's this for games that passed a million? This, yeah, like indie games that passed a million this year. year. Yeah. Jesus. Oh my god. Has Stardew Valley passed a million? Um. Well, that was last year. Oh yeah. But yeah, I mean that would have passed a million easily. Um. But yeah, like the fact that Cuphead's been out what two, three weeks. Yeah. And they've already passed a million. Three weeks this week. And considering the horror stories we were hearing about developers remortgaging their houses, uh, which is not a thing. I don't care how passionate you are about your game. I don't care how good it is. Mm. It's not a situation you want to get yourselves in. Um, So I'm very happy that it's at least worked out for them. Yeah. Um, And that game is great. And, you know, like... I reckon... I reckon it'll be quite divisive, not in terms of whether people think it's good or not, because I think across the board, people like, it's good, I think but the, it's very hard. Yeah, the divisiveness comes from is that it has an aesthetic and a style that it has mass appeal, but a gameplay style that has very niche appeal, yeah. and that's where the, the drop-off comes. And I completely understand that. 
Um, the I imagine the the contrast between the amount of people who have bought this game and will ever clear this game is stark. <laughs> but I will be stunned if that game doesn't appear on a number of top ten lists, and certainly I'd be stunned if it doesn't win like best kind of presentation best style, whatever. Uh, you know, there's a fair few games that have come out this year that have got really good style about it, but like, mm-hmm. there's nothing. There's nothing else. Yeah. That looks and sounds and feels like Cuphead. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Well done, team. What the fuck is their studio? HDMR. HDMR. Is it? Is it HDMR? Something like that. HTML. MDHR or something. HTML. HTML. HTTP. There you go. Anyway, that's the end of the news. We're going to move now into the Link to the Cast Book Club, where we talk about an important game from the past that you either should play for the first time if you haven't before, or pick up again if it's been a while. And this week we're going back to the PS2 generation the, the a game that it was a, a an early ps2 love of mine um and a super fucking weird game uh, and it is devil may cry Devil May Cry is a hack-and-slash action-adventure video game developed and published by Capcom, released in 2001 for the PlayStation 2. While the game primarily focuses on sword fighting, the player gains new weapons after beating the game's bosses resulting in a variety of combos to perform. Set in modern times on the fictional Mallet Islands, the story centres on Dante, a demon hunter who uses his business to get his revenge on the demons after losing his brother and mother. He meets a woman named Trish, who takes him on a journey to defeat the demon lord Mundus. The story is told primarily through a mixture of cutscenes which use the game's engine and several pre-rendered full motion videos. The game is very loosely based on the Italian poem Divine Comedy by the use of allusions, including the game's protagonist Dante, named after Dante Alighieri. Alighieri. Oh, Alighieri. Alighieri. And other characters like Virgil and Trish, Beatrice Portinari. Virgil being the the poet that guides Dante through the, the circles of hell. Indeed. The game was originally conceived in 1999 as Resident Evil 4. 
Due to the staff feeling it would not fit the Resident Evil franchise, the project dropped its ties to Resident Evil and was made into its own story instead. Devil May Cry received prominent coverage in the video game media due to the impact it had in the action game genre. Its high difficulty and the high overall scores, which many professional reviewers conclude to be one of the best and most innovative video games of all time. The game sold more than 3 million copies and spawned multiple Capcom developed sequels and prequels. Devil May Cry is a game that I really like. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting down as a... Oh... 13 year old at the time and popping this disc into my ps2 and going fuck me i've never played anything like this before Mm -hmm. this shit is bananas yeah b-a-n-a-n-a-s fucking capital letters all the way through yeah um i'll start with you uh tell me were you here at the start was you here in 2001 yeah i because you had a ps2 right i had a ps2 Um, And the first I heard of this game was that there was a playable demo for this game on the disc for Resident Evil Code Veronica. Do you remember Resident Evil Code Veronica? Uh, Yeah, that was one that was set on an island and was on the Dreamcast Um, and PS2 and GameCube, I think. One of the the selling points of that was that you could... There was a playable demo for Devil May Cry. That was the first I saw of the logo. Because that was the last one to use the tank controls, wasn't it? I believe so. Before they actually played Code Veronica. I remember remember seeing the logo for Devil May Cry and going, well, this looks way more up my street. and yeah, I got this game pretty early on when it came out. I, I couldn't give you an exact date. It was definitely like early to mid 2002, I would say. Um, so not too long after it came out. Yeah, like it came out August 23rd. Yeah. So. Slap bang in the middle of the invasion. Yeah, ain't that the truth. Um, and again, yeah, I, I got this game. And I was like, this is fucking bananas. Like. This game is so awesome, but, <laughs> but, Mark, this game is fucking trash as well, in a lot of ways. I mean, that that is kind of Devil May Cry at large, yeah, like, as a like, series. Yeah, like, it's real trash, like, but it's in a great way. Yeah. Like, you talked about those those pre-rendered cutscenes, my goodness me. Um, like, one of my favourite things in video games is... Japanese developers attempting American movie tropes. Yeah. And American pop culture tropes. So you've got that idea. Is it that... Because I mix up some of the amazing pre-rendered cutscenes. Is that the one where he's he's eating pizza and the office and a motorbike comes flying through the windows? Or is that the second one? No, that's the first one. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure because <laughs> Just, that's... It starts off at 100 miles an yeah, hour. Yeah, because basically Trish comes in, kind of trashes the place. And Dante's like, oh, uh, you know what, I'll just follow yeah, yeah, Why yeah. not? Sure. Just like, he is like... the Dante as a character is like... The epitome of the flippant Sarki protagonist. And they certainly kind of like ramp that up with DMC. Um, And like just the kind of like just being like he's so it again, it's another kind of dichotomy in this game. Dante is so cool. But he's such a dork. He, <laughs> like, he's such... He never misses an opportunity to stop and do something stupid. Like, I have to be honest, he kind of has no redeemable qualities no, whatsoever. he's a fucking dick. He loves nothing more than himself. But... He has disappeared up his own arse. But... He fucking flies around the screen with his sword and his guns. 
and you can't help but have a great time. You remember the name of those guns as well. Um, one dark pistol, one light pistol. Was it Ebony, Ebony and Ivory? Ivory? Of course it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so this was like, you know, there had been games that were action oriented and uh, kind of laden with combos and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of two D kind of fighting games back in the day that did that kind of thing. Um, and there had been games up until this point, certainly where we were getting to now at this time with the PS2, where you know kind of production values were starting to increase, um, games were starting to not fully get to the point that they would get, you know, where we are now. But you were really starting to see um, the animation in characters be a lot more fluid, look a little mm-hmm. bit more kind of realistic compared to the the kind of rigid bodies that you would get on the PS1 and the N64. Um, environmental backgrounds and designs were starting to look a little, little bit more kind of fleshed out. Um, again, you wouldn't really see that until I think the the real sort of like shift to the next uh, level were the uh, remakes of Resident Evil, the, the remake of Resident Evil for the GameCube. Yeah. Uh, that was the first time where we kind of saw a gaming like, oh my God, this is like insane. Um, but, you know... And we'll talk about the fact that... Are you right there, Dave? Sorry. I'm looking up some stuff to say about the character of Dante as we're talking here. And I just... Just finish your point and I'll move on because this is amazing. But for me, I wasn't aware until years later um, that Devil May Cry was originally Resident Evil. Obviously, yeah. I knew that yeah. they were both Capcom. And Dante's original name was like Tony? <laughs> Alright, sure. Um, and it's only like coming back to it years later that you can clearly see oh yeah of course this was a fucking resident evil game yeah, yeah, yeah. you know um like because i know um there was the original and we spoke about this on uh the resident evil 4 show we did that like you know the kind of original inception of what resident evil 4 was like spooky times with leon in um that corridor yeah uh which everyone was like fuck this this is terrifying uh lord knows we'd get pt and you know resident evil 7 years later um but it, it, you know, there's the the kind of tank control camera settings that they still would incorporate in the original Devil May Cry, mm-hmm. uh, which I haven't played it in a while. But I do remember the last time I played it, I was like, "Fuck these motherfucking cameras!" Oh, Just yeah. let me fucking you know. And obviously, it's, it's so that era of Capcom. It's that you know we're trying to do the kind of surprise thing of oh you don't know what's coming around the corridor, which is perfect for that sort of claustrophobic feeling in a mansion of Resident Evil but doesn't work in a fucking hack and slash game yeah yeah. Uh, that's kind of one of the bigger uh, design flaws design flaws of the game which is just you know it's what Capcom were doing at the time yeah 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 so one of the things when Hideki Kamiya was designing this character because I remember I had read one very funny thing about the character but I didn't realise it was such a treasure trove about the idea where the genesis of this character came from so when Kamiya sat back and decided he he had these ideas for this Dante character. Do you want to know what the bullet points he had to develop this character were? Prick. <laughs> Shall I tell you? Go on then. His, his three key points. A long stylish coat. <laughs> so that's point number one. I mean, he definitely has that. Yeah. A British man. But he later kind of brought that back to just being a showy character. I thought he was going to say just a man. And a witty yet traditional fighting man (laughs) who doesn't (laughs) smoke cigarettes. 
you've really kind of you know there's a broad character there you know there's a lot of layers a lot of depth yeah so like his character is all the like the the kind of the the mashups of like john constantine han solo indiana jones this kind of like maverick uh vigilante demon hunter no you know what his character is you know all those shit web comics in the mid 2000s where the the yeah. uh the author illustrator was clearly just doing a version of themselves where they were the cool person yeah. and everyone would just kind of tuck their eyes and say, oh, that's just him being or him. Or just someone who, like, watched a load of, like, 90s movies, like Seven and stuff and became fascinated with the occult. Sure. <laughs> you know? Um, like, cause, like, he has as well, Daddy, the most preposterous backstory. Uh, well, I mean, of course he fucking has. Yeah, exactly. No, no, it's suitable. Yeah, but yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, the son of a demon and a human woman, and he's on a, a lifelong quest to avenge the death of his his mother and his brother, who, uh, as it turns out when the series goes on, not so dead. Yeah. I mean, it is almost Shakespearean. Yeah, in it, though? Uh, it's beautiful. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, another thing about this game, so, is that this game is metal as fuck. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, again... Well, in terms of the aesthetic and, the, particularly, the, the soundtrack. And, again, I, you know, we, we will get to DMC at, at some point because I'm a big fan of DMC. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it right now. I actually prefer DMC over the original now. But, you know, modern game design and whatever else. Um, but, yeah, the series as a whole. Um, it, it takes, like, certain kind of... Certain tangible qualities about Resident Evil... And then just makes it metal as fuck. Yeah. You know? And gothic as fuck as well. Metal and goth. Uh, which, in fairness, in 2001 was kind of all the rage. So, it's very much a product of its time. Like new metal, Devil May Cry really is a product of the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, here's the thing. Uh, I love hack and slash games. I love platinum. Uh, I love Bayonetta. I love DMC Devil May Cry. Um, all of those kinds of games, it on the surface level, you look at it and it looks like it's mindless button bashing. But the thing about those kinds of games is like, as you start getting better at it and you start chaining those combos and you realize, oh, hey, I can do like an upward slash, get a mannequin, leave it in the air, or a marionette, whatever the fuck they were, leave it kind of hanging in the air as I pump 12 rounds into it, then drop it back down to do the final blow. Once you start getting into the habit of realizing like how to kind of clear large rooms out, how to kind of circle around them so you're never kind of in the middle, like there is a level of of kind of tactical prowess that is needed to get through uh, Devil May Cry because mm-hmm. it's not an easy game. No, it's not by any stretch. Like uh, you, you would uh, be forgiven for thinking that it is just kind of like dumb beat 'em up kind of. Um, stuff, but like some of the bosses are just horrific. Yeah, and like you would definitely see that, and I definitely think that uh, Platinum were inspired by the original Devil May Cry. When I think about so, well, like, the the dude, uh, the guy who made this game, went on to Platinum. Yeah, yeah, you know, what I mean? and like, it, it clearly shows because you look at like some of the boss designs in uh, in Bayonetta. And it all harkens back to that original Dev- yeah. Devil May Cry. He was the guy who made this game. He was one of the three founders of Platinum. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, and it, one of the things it also... Uh, of course, it's Hideki Kamiya. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One of the things it also takes for, um, that would be a hallmark of not only 
Platinum Games, um, not only later kind of Dark Souls games as well have this, and uh, the, the the Wikipedia page here credits uh, the Legend of Zelda with creating the idea of like the sense of scale in terms of the bosses. Yeah, like it's not you having a fist fight; what it's you coming against this just gigantic heaving beast a lot of the times, and just that moment that you don't really get in a lot of video games nowadays where you're like oh, how the fuck am i gonna beat this thing yeah and i mean we'd seen that kind of thing happen with metal gear solid but even still like that first metal gear boss fight that you have in the original um mm. and even i think in the second one as well there are certain kind of limitations that fill in place with those boss fights mm-hmm. you know uh and even though there is the scale it it doesn't i don't think it translate translates as well as it does with something like devil may cry uh, and it's just that extra kind of couple of years of mm. technology getting to the point where you can do that kind of large scale boss fight and mm. you can really like showcase like the room uh, the environment that yeah. the boss is in and you can do more with them effectively because mm. like metal gear in uh, the original metal gear solid it, it's it's it, very it, rigid yeah when it gets to fighting actual metal gears um until i think metal gear solid 4 when it's rex versus ray or metal gear solid 5 when you're fighting at that point it's basically a godzilla fight yeah when you're fighting in in metal gear solid 5 when you're fighting sahelanthropus it's it's quite good but yeah it wasn't until later in the series where the technology allowed uh, a, a fight with a metal gear to actually be good yeah um whereas this by not making it something like a bipedal tank by making it this kind of like the one that particularly sticks in in mind is like the giant lava spider <laughs> yeah um yeah. these be these kind of monstrous things are are unbound by that so um yeah this this game really benefited from that and i suppose it's one of the it's one of the benefits of having that 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 the way that camera was that sometimes annoyed us was that you were able to get the full scale of the boss in because the camera was hanging back that bit more and it could get the whole thing into frame. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Pretty damn good. There are also a lot of great moments in this game. So like exploring the castle or, um. There, there's this moment which is like at my for my 12, 13 year old brain was like the coolest thing ever when you find the sword. And it kind of like you touch it and it shocks you and pins you to the ground and impales you. But Dante stands up through the hilt of the sword and then wields the sword from then on in. It's like, it's like that's a, a legitimately fucking like badass moment. I understand there's there's always the, the Superman argument that, you know, it's very hard to feel any kind of like attachment or relatability to a character like superman because mm. you know he is a god yeah. and you could kind of like argue the same thing with dante but let's be honest devil may cry at large it's not trying to reach a kind of higher it's plateau not trying to of... make you relate to him like superman is <laughs> no it's just like a go it's it's an aspirational thing because instead of oh don't you relate to this guy's humanity it's hey don't you wish you were this cool <laughs> Don't you wish a red leather jacket was a thing you could pull off? It really is all about the red leather jacket. Yeah. You know, um, I've seen enough fucking cosplayers in my time to know it's definitely about the red leather jacket. <laughs> That's true. Um, missed opportunities, I have to say, or, or kind of like things that don't really uh, hit the home run that I was hoping for. Uh, Devil Never Cry is a shit name for a shop to end the game on <laughs> or a shit name for a partnership. Yeah. I just, no, that was terrible. Yeah. Um, the the character of Trish, it's very much kind of within that. 
damsel in distress mm-hmm. you know uh that hasn't aged particularly it's well great. it's not great it's safe to say video games had not hit their stride in developing three-dimensional women characters. No, but then let's be honest. The only three-dimensional part of women that they were working on in those days were not the kind that were very uh, progressive. No, and let's say. be honest, this isn't exactly a three-dimensional story. So, no, I'm, no, you know, I'm, I'm willing to let this one pass because the whole fucking thing is trash. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's, a like, that's part of the like her character and the character, just women in general in this franchise are part of why you just go, yeah, this game is trash yeah. in a lot of ways. And, and like, th- it's great, but and it's trash. I think it's acceptable in this instance because Dante is by far the biggest trash fire out of everything, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, anything else to add about this before we wrap things up? <gasps> I definitely want to go back and play it. I know that much. Did it get re-released in... I will look for you. I get the feeling they must have done, like, some sort of trilogy. Uh... It has... Oh, hold on. I was looking at the whole series there. Um, PS2. Uh, it's on It's on HD and on PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. There's a chance you may be able to get it backwards compatible on Xbox One, but I've never looked. Yeah. I mean, at some point, I imagine they may do, like, a HD uh, trilogy series. But, yeah, like, the thing with, with Devil May Cry is it is definitely one of those games that, for its genre, it is a game that you will see any kind of hack and slash will probably have some sort of something has been inspired by it. Bayonetta. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whether it's the, um, the kind of checkpoints with the missions to say you've got an S ranking or whatever, which is a very kind of Capcom thing. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's just the way that the combos are chained in the game, whether it's just the, the, the way that the game feels and controls and moves and the combos and et cetera, et cetera. You know, there are so much, uh, from the hack and slash genre, that is, you will harken back, you will kind of look at Devil May Cry as the kind of genesis for a lot of that. Um, and I think that, like, for the two series that I think of, the two hack and slash games uh, in the mid 2000s, you got Devil May Cry and you got mm-hmm. God of War. I think Devil May Cry holds up so much better. Yeah, those those early God of War games are not super not great. I have yeah. never really. I have enjoyed playing God of War games. QTEs really burnt out more than hack and slash combat. For a couple of hours. But there is a lack of depth to the God of War games that is is there, that exists within Devil May Cry. Uh, that I think makes the DMC series, and certainly with the reboot, mm-hmm. uh, makes them stand out so much more. Mm. Um but it's not easy. <laughs> true. And it certainly wouldn't get easy throughout the series, with I think 3 being the one in particular that is just a fucking nightmare, because I think they fucked up the difficulty settings on that one, if I remember. Uh, yeah, I think you might be right on that. Um, and it's not a series that's perfect by any means. And, you know, we, we won't talk about the series at large. Um, there have been missteps. I didn't think 2 was great. I didn't think 4 was particularly great. Mm. But, um, but yeah... Never May Cry. What a bonkers game. Yeah. A very Japanese game. Indeed. A very Capcom game. Um, that's going to do it for episode 87. Uh, we just got one last bit of business to do, and that is to name the game for next week. And though I haven't confirmed uh, for next week that we have a guess, I'll take a moonshot and I'll, I'll organize things on the fly if it doesn't pan out. But hopefully, Mark, next week with a very special guest who has been on the show many times before and is an expert on these matters... I'll be talking about Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. 
that must be the last one we need to do. Like, we've done all of them, surely, at this point. Are you going to do done. Peace Walker at some point? Are you going to do the fucking card game on the PSP? Acid. We've done one, five, and now three. So two left. I mean, is four really considered? It's pretty good. Ah, fuck it's off. pretty damn good. No, it's not. It's just <laughs> it's really damn good. Fuck off. Two is the one that may be a fight. Um, but yeah, Metal Gear Solid Three, Snake Eater for next week. And if my guest doesn't pan out, then something else. Uh, that'll be on episode eighty-eight. Like I said, that's going to do it for episode eighty-seven. This podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, most podcasting platforms. Just search for Link to Cast. Subscribe to us there. Rate, review. It all helps us with that uh, lovely search engine optimization that we treasure so very deeply. Um, tell a friend. Helps us all out. Uh, the website is linktothecast.eu if you want to get in touch. Linktothecast at gmail.com is the email address. Social media, the most reliable way to get in contact with us and to keep up to date on the content we're releasing. Facebook.com forward slash linktothecast at linktothecast on Twitter. Individually speaking, I'm at Dave Ryan IV. Mark is at Lithium Project on Twitter. Uh, sometimes we stream video games over uh, at twitch.tv forward slash linktothecast and uh, archive them later on YouTube. Just search for link to the cast i'm not going to go through the weekly schedule of videos just because uh we are in a hiatus at the moment and all of them but go over to link to the cast on youtube and you will uh get a good kind of susan of uh what kind of content we do on there on the regular um that is link to the cast for this week i have been dave ryan that man over there has been mark robinson and we shall see you all next week ta-ta